everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How you doing, Jay? Good to see you back in the saddle again, Mike. Feels good um, to be chatting again. Yeah, yeah, I missed you. Good to, good to have you back. Welcome it's, back. It, it's, it's good to have you there to hold things down when, when I'm dealing with some family issues. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy to do so. Um, so before we get into this week's amazing guest, and he's a returning yeah. guest, but he's an amazing guest, just a quick shout out to our supporters and sponsors. Thank you, HypeBot and BandsInTown.com for everything you do to support us. And of course, to our sponsors, Bandzoogle.com, built by musicians for musicians. Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, of course, social media integrations, and incredible live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. So we got a special offer here for our Music Biz Weekly listeners. Head over to bandzoogle.com, try it for 30 days for free. When you register, use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY and you will get 15% off the first year of any subscription. And of course, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, t-shirts online and at your gigs as they start coming back has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even t-shirts. So head over to discmakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, and you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Jay, I, let's just get right to it. We're joined yeah. by a legendary engineer and producer, Mike Frazier. And if you're any sort of a rock fan, heavy metal fan, you know his association to ACDC. He gets right into it, talks about being an engineer, talks about being a producer, shares some stuff from the ACDC world of recording with them on their most recent album, Power Up. Um, what a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Just, what, what more can you say? Just let it roll. Mike Frazier talking about engineering and producing. Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. So we are real honored to welcome back a returning guest. It's been a few years, but we are excited to have Mike Frazier, legendary engineer and producer. 
coming back to the Music Biz Weekly. Thank you, Mike. Hey, guys. Uh, great to see you again. It has been a couple of years, but uh, hey, we're all still here. <laughs> we're hanging on barely. Uh, 2020's almost over. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, so, Mike, let's, let's, because this is 2020, because as we all know, there's this big thing called COVID that's in the world, and you make your life in the studio. Um, how did you, how do you deal with a pandemic when it comes to recording an album? I mean, has that upended the whole studio process as well? Well, it's kind of upended the whole process in terms of nobody's doing any work. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've not done very much since uh, March this year. Uh, you know, when I do go in, I'm mostly mixing these days anyway, so that it's not as bad. You know, it's just me and my assistant. He's usually in another room. Uh, if we're in the control room together, we're mask up. And then I my mixes across, you know, email to the clients and get approval that way. So it hasn't slowed that down. But, you know, nobody's really got money or wanting to spend money uh, until this can lift and they can get out playing live to full full venues, you know, like uh, sure they could do half venues, but um, you know, that helps, but it's not, the band's not making any money at a half venue. You know, they're right. maybe breaking even or, or losing money. So until, until we can get out and see full live concerts again, I think we're all still getting pinched pretty good. Can you do recordings remotely with any of your artists? I suppose I could, but I haven't been approached to that again. Uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of the records I do are, are you know, fairly uh, big budget kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's never yeah. popped up yet. Um, I have done a few little recordings, but again, there's, you know, two or three of us. Uh, and again, if we're close in the room together, we mask up. Otherwise it's pretty, it's done pretty safely and the studios are great. You know, they've got a, uh, a big mandate. They have to follow spraying things down every yeah. five minutes and stuff. So, you know, carries on, but it's definitely a weird vibe. You know, it's not just a loose, awesome vibe. Um, Mike, with, with the caliber of artists that you're working with, as you said, big budgets, is it really just the fact that they can't tour in support of it? That's, holding them back from recording because it does seem like in this day and age, technology's in favor of remote recording. Everybody can have a studio at their home. You can mm -hmm. send files back and forth. I mean, it sort of was going that way pre COVID. So now that COVID is here, what you're seeing is really just the simple fact that they can't get out and tour to support a new album. Yeah, for the projects I do, for sure, it's, it's, you know, just everybody's on hold, you know, nobody wants to invest that kind of money into, oh, do we release this in a year? Are we even going to tour to make our money back on it? You know, as we all know, sales are down and uh, streaming helps, but it's not making anybody any money, you know, especially not the artists. So it's just, it's all about investment, you know, money investment, you know, you're going to invest in this and when are you going to get your return back is the kind of thing. 
And then the way I work is, you know, I'm pretty old school. I like mixing on a large format console. Uh, I like recording in a large format situation with uh, proper outboard gear, no plugins. So for me to, you know, sit at home and do anything, uh, it's not my, it's not my thing. Yeah, it's not for everybody. I, I had a conversation with Stanley Clark a couple of weeks ago. He likes recording with people. You know how musicians are, a lot of their cues are visual and it's not necessarily what's on the page. It's that communication in the studio as they're working those things out. And I get it. Some artists don't want to do it remotely or even, you know, practice and write you know via zoom it's it's not the same experience so i can see why you would want that tactile you know hands on the board it's what you're used to as opposed to you know an ipad or something out of your office at home and playing along to a click i'm not a big fan of anyways i'm a little more of that old uh, rock and roll school where you know you're all in the room and the and the track varies a little bit but when you got great musicians that very lesson tempo adds to the feel of the song so i'm all about that too that's hard to do remotely yeah so mike i mean anybody who knows your history and is is any sort of a rock fan in 2020 knows your involvement with acdc and the new acdc album was that recorded pre-covid how did covid impact that and then, the, you know, the, the big thing is it was released during COVID. And as we all know, and congrats to you and the band, it's huge. It was, you know, it went number one everywhere. And it was critical almost, success. It was almost seen by the, the music community as, boy, we needed this album this year. If we needed anything, we needed a great, strong rock album like ACDC could deliver to make us feel good. So how did, how did all, how did this album come together and how did COVID impact it? I probably got a call. We went into the studio. I think it was uh, July and August, or maybe it was August, September of 2018. So it was well before COVID. Uh, though I probably didn't get the call uh, until May, you know, uh, I got a call saying, hey, can you hold some studio time and blah, blah, blah. So I thought, oh, great. Uh, here we go. But, you know, at that time, um, you know, we, uh, Axel had finished off the tour for Brian because Brian had to stop because of his hearing. Phil was in the middle of his his uh, legal problems. Um, it, you know, obviously Mal was gone. And I thought, well, you know, no idea what what band is showing up? Is it just going to be Angus, you know, going through song? What I never knew until, until I walked into the studio and, and there is, there's all the original guys, you know, um, Stevie and Cliff and Phil and Brian. And, you know, it was amazing. So I never knew what really to expect until he walked into the studio there in, in uh, August. What do you do to prep for, a big production like that, do you speak with them ahead of time to get a feel for what they're trying to do? Do they send you demos? How do you prepare for a, a session like that? Well, you know, I'm, again, you know, I'm just the engineer on it. Brendan O'Brien was the producer, but uh, I know on past stuff, and, and I believe on this one, 
there's not much prep at all. Um, Brendan and Angus have probably talked on the phone a few times, but I don't think Angus had sent Brendan anything. You know, it's just we all meet up at the studio. Uh, actually, on this last record, I think Brendan and Angus met up in Vancouver about a week before we went into the studio to sit down and go through his suitcases full of ideas, you know, on cassettes and dats and, and whatnot. And just to see, you know, what we they had, what they needed to do to, you know, form this into a record. Now, Mike, one, one of the challenges I remember following this, you know, a leaked photo, is it happening? Is it happening? sounds like you had to deal with more of the issue of how to keep this secret. COVID didn't impact you. It's like you didn't want this out to the world that this was happening right away. So what kind of challenge does that pose on you and, and the studio? I mean, were there, were, did it go to the extent of having to sign NDAs to say, we'll never talk about this until X point in the future? Uh, that's never come up with ACDC. They've never made anybody sign anything. It's just sort of a given, you know, they're a very, very private group. They like to keep things private. Uh, and you, you know, I guess one of the reasons I'm worked on so many of their records is that's kind of my creed too. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate. Uh, those pictures leaked a few things. I know Angus really wanted this to be a, a big surprise for the fans, like, you know, big, Christmas present or, or something. So it was kind of unfortunate it was leaked. Uh, you know, some of the guys I think were seen in um, restaurants and walking down the street. That's one thing to actually have pictures of, of you know, studio personnel and the studio and them sitting at the studio. It kind of says a lot more, and um, it really weighed on the band heavily. Uh, they weren't happy with that. Uh, even if they went out to have a cigarette, we had to start putting up big screens and umbrellas. And, you know, one of the reasons they love coming to Vancouver is it's a pretty chill town and, and they don't really have to deal with much of that. So it kind of put a, a blemish on it. But, hey, you know, we got through it, got it done. Yeah. Walk us through what an engineer does for those who haven't had the experience and kind of what your roles and responsibilities are versus, say, someone who is brought in to be the producer talk about your role a little bit mm -hmm. well the engineer you know if you think of uh, making a record like making a movie the engineer is the cameraman so i'm i'm manning all the gear i'm i'm recording any everything so we set the band out in the big studio all live i put microphones and all the instruments drums guitars bass etc and then I uh, blend all those sounds in together and adjust, you know, any frequencies, uh, treble, bass on the instruments, make it sound as best I could. And with the, especially with ACDC, it's all live. So you've got to have that all ready to go because when they sit down on their instruments, they want to go. They don't want to sit there and, oh, could I uh, get you to tap your snare drum for yeah. half an hour, please? You know, they, <laughs> they want to go now. So that's my job is having everything ready you know, Brandon, <coughs> excuse me, Brandon oversees the song, the song content, the vibe, um, you know, him and Angus will work out tempos of songs and stuff. And uh, so when they come in and say, okay, we're ready to try this song out. You ready, Mike? And I'll, yep, let's go hit record right away and away we go. So, you know, 
on the technical side of, of the recording of everything, basically. Yeah. Well, that's a big deal. I mean, just setting up the microphones is an art form. And it sounds, by listening to that album, to me, it really has that warmth of some of their earlier records. And I don't know if that's because you're using vintage equipment or you just know how to tweak newer equipment so it's not as cold or harsh. It really kind of had that almost live concert, warm vinyl feel to it. How did you get that? Oh, great, thank you. Well, that's, that's something I strive for, especially with them. Uh, every record we've done with them uh, goes to two inch tape. And so that's a big part of the sound. Everybody's not used to that sound anymore. So every time you hear two inch tape now, you're gonna hear more of that fat warmness of it. Um, so we'll hit two inch tape once we've got the drum takes and that will we'll bounce everything back into Pro Tools. Uh, but then if there's any guitar overdubs, uh, I've worked out a way where I can uh, record the guitars through a two inch, or uh, sorry, half inch tape. So two track half inch tape, I'll record it through that into the Pro Tools. Obviously not listening to that because that'll be a delay. And then uh, after the fact, when we move the little fixes in, We'll move in the uh, time slide and move in the stuff. So this album, well, all their albums are all recorded 100% analog. You know, it ends up on digital, but it's 100% analog. Right. And right. it really helps. You know, it's a, I know some guys record everything onto the Pro Tools and then bounce it through tape before they mix it. It's not the same thing. You know, the, the digital things are already chopped off the highs and the lows and then it's a digital thing. You know, you're just getting an analog copy of a digital thing. We're pure analog until it gets back to digital. Mike, um, talk to me about the difference in your job as an engineer when it is with a band that you've been with as long as ACDC, where I imagine you, you already have copious notes and you know exactly what each guy likes that sound to be and how they want it to feel versus a band you've never worked with before that you come in and it's brand new i'm assuming the engineering process is much is a much more challenging process when you've never worked with the band because you don't know what they want for a sound yet it, true enough, yeah. And, and with ACDC, like you say, over the years, we've kind of got our working system down. Um, I know in the past, <clears throat> they used to bring in like two or three truckloads of guitar gear, like, you know, 30 four by 12 cabinets and 20 Marshall heads and all that. And we go through each one and uh, uh, Marshall head one into cabinet B into, you know, it would take us two or three days to go through everything and decide which the best combination. And after a couple of records of doing that, we discovered it was always down to the, you know, these two cabinets and those three heads. So they stopped bringing all that. So it's a, it's an easier setup. Now they just bring in the gear that we know is going to work and um, we dial it up. Now, when I'm working with a new band for sure, uh, you know, a lot of it is is getting, knowing what our vibes are together. You know, uh, my job as an engineer and, you know, when I do produce is to capture what the band wants. It's not always what I want. So it's trying to, to find our, our common ground as to, you know, what are you guys looking for? And I'll help you capture that, you know. Uh, 
a lot of times bands are contacting me because of past records I've done and they, oh, we love that sound, we love that sound. So you kind of get a clue of what you're going to do and, and where you're heading. But, um, you know, it's all about personalities getting along. And I think, you know, people that work in the recording studios and stuff, you know, one of our biggest assets, I think, is is being a good psychologist. <laughs> you know, it's, it's learning how to uh, get all these different personalities together, creating a fun... Um, conducive atmosphere to to make some kick-ass music what what can a a a band do of any level basically what can a band do to prepare and help the engineer in advance so you don't spend very expensive studio time like you said let's figure out how that guitar sounds in that amp and and everything else is there stuff a band can do on their own in their rehearsal room before coming in and meeting with someone like you. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've got to say over the last few years, you know, bands are getting better at it, but I just say, just rehearse, 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 you know, that live rehearsal is for honing that stuff in, finding the, the sound of your guitar that works for that song or that you love. Um, you know, even if you don't have all the best, guitar amp stuff, you know, figure it out. That's your sound, you know? Yeah. Um, so many bands sometimes just, you know, treat rehearsals as, hey, let's get a case of beer and smoke a bunch of pot and jam. <laughs> You're not really focusing on what what are you trying to do, you know? Um, yeah. So if, if I'm producing a band, uh, we go in and we do a lot of pre-pro time. Um, and some bands, I'll even do a few if they're local anyways, they'll do a few trips into their rehearsal and sit there for a day or two. We'll go through the songs, let them rehearse that for two weeks, come back in, get it ready. So that way, when we go into the studio, you know, we could probably track all the basic tracks in three days, you know, 12 songs yeah. in three days. You could just, that's the most expensive part. And then uh, after that, you know, I don't mind going to a rehearsal type situation. I've got some uh, gear I could bring with me to record guitars and vocals and stuff, you know, once the drums and all the basic tracks are done, then you could go into a rehearsal type situation where it's a lot cheaper and you can get things done. So that's kind of how we do it nowadays. But, you know, yeah. the, the more they can rehearse and get those songs tight. Um, and then before they come into the studio, get their guitars worked on by somebody set up your your neck and your tuning and all that because that's the biggest time waster in the studios is it and, oh this guitar just won't stay in tune it's just yeah such a pain do you ever have artists come in that write um in the studio where they're not bringing in pre-prepared things that they just come in and write when they get in the studio less less and less <clears throat> so for sure you know, back more 80s, early 90s, you know, uh, they'd come in. But, you know, you're booking maybe four to six weeks studio time. So you can't camp out there. So you come in and you're noodling and figuring out. The only time somebody's really figuring something out now is if they're kind of doing a, they want to, they don't want to write a guitar solo. They just want it to, to flow off at the minute. So you're kind of writing it then. Uh, but that's really just about performance. The solos are about performance and stuff and not so much 
uh, note written. Um, yeah. And that's about the only time, you know, sometimes spend some time figuring out harmonies, vocal harmonies on something. But yeah, studio time is just so, you know, expensive or the budgets are so much lower. Yeah. You know, the studios are hard to be in. You know, you don't want to waste any time in there. You, you just want to be go, go, yeah. go. Does ACDC do anything different in the studio than they do live? I mean, is Angus using the SG and are they using all Marshall stacks? I mean, is it basically replicating the live gear or do they do anything kind of different? Uh, they don't do anything different. Um, uh, they use all their, their number one guitars in the studio. The only thing that's different is I think the amps we use in the studio. Uh, they're good old girls, you know, and they need some TLC. So I don't <laughs> think they go on the road anymore. Um, gotcha. You know, they, even, in, even in the studio, they, like we've got an amp tech guy there the whole time. And, and even then they'll, they need some tweaking. And I think we blew a transformer once, which is pretty major on those things. Cause it's hard to get the matching kind of transformer things. So um, yeah, none of that stuff hits the road. Uh, I'm not even sure Angus, I know, I'm pretty sure Mal didn't use his main guitar on the road the last few tours just because it's got its sound and if anything happened to that, you know, so I don't know if Angus is, uses his number ones either, um, but, you know, they're always a good number two for sure. <laughs> Mike, how important is it, especially in a band situation, um, that there's a clear leader slash decision maker all who has the last say in that band so when you get into that moment where the guitarist wants this and the lead singer wants this and they're going at it and nobody can decide anything do you need to have somebody that can step in and say this is it this is what we're doing yeah pretty pretty much i mean it's really good if the band has a leader, you know, and, and and everybody can defer to him. But sometimes that split three ways, so uh, it can get a little bit hairy, you know, if everybody has a different opinion. Um, uh, so hopefully, sometimes I can step in and, and I'm the outside guy and say, "Look, I see all your points, but I think this is this is a better route now." Or uh, again, that's that's about the psychology of it, and you know trying to work at all so everybody's happy and, and uh, sometimes it's hard to keep everybody happy but you just try and remind people you know what's keep your eye on the prize and what are we trying to achieve here we're trying to achieve a great song that all of you can be proud of it's not about ego you know yeah. so leave that at the door and let's get on with it how did you end up being an engineer <clears throat> excuse me i mean were you uh were you a musician how did you fall into the career uh, well, I was in a garage band when I was in high school and we we're pretty lousy and I, I learned pretty quick that I wasn't going to make any money playing guitar. So when I quit school, my dad and I had our own uh, logging company and worked on that for a couple of years, driving trucks and equipment. And we'd have to shut down every winter. And I just got tired of sitting around all winter and nothing to do. So I thought, well, I really like that music thing. So I thought, oh, I'll call up a couple of studios, see if I can get working behind the scenes there. So I called up a place called Little Mountain Sound and they weren't hiring, but they said, oh, well, we need a janitor. So uh, I thought, sure, why not? So that was kind of my foot in the door. And 
and uh, just worked my ass off, worked, worked up the levels and it paid off. <laughs> yeah. Mike, before we um, wrap up here, I mean, you, you, you've, you've been involved with many ACDC albums over the years. On this new album, was there a song, was there a moment where you got goosebumps, chills, and were like, oh, this is classic ACDC? Well, on this record, um, and similar to the, the last record, uh, you know, with Mal not being there, it's, it's, a, it's a big hole. We felt that big hole. And uh, you really felt his presence in the room, like he's sitting on your shoulder or sitting beside you, just want to check in, make sure everything's cool. So you, you always kind of felt him there. So when we cut uh, Miss the Time, that one really kind of yeah. nailed me because, you know, that's... I think that was the real tip tip of the hat to Mal. And, uh, you know, it chokes you up, you know, even working on it or mixing it, you get a little bit choked up. So that one was pretty special. Yeah, that that that's probably my favorite track <clears throat> off of the album. It, it, when, I, when I played mm. the album the first time through, that was the song I went back to like three times right away. It's just like, I got to go back to that one, back to that one, back to that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I I I, th I think I mean you you've you've seen all the reactions. I think this album really connected. I mean it was it was a it was a home run. It connected with the fans. It's connected with everybody in that. If you were going to get an ACDC album, this was it. It just is ideal, perfect. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know you said it right too that. You know, 2020 has been a brutal year uh, for a lot of reasons. You know, the politics coming out of the states. Um, yeah, you know, a, a lot of the crap in the world. COVID hits, and and everything in the news and everything around everybody right now has just been negative, negative, negative. And you know, how far down can you get pushed? And then the end of the year, this this record comes up, and it's something that yeah. was just so positive, and just what everybody just went. Yep. <sighs> Yeah, finally exactly. something that you know you can enjoy and look look forward to or something you know and you know hopefully a tour can come out of it in 2021 you know if if the numbers in the world can come down and we can get together for big shows again you know hey <laughs> hopefully yeah. hopefully soon what you know real just real quick what was the what was the emotions in the studio as the band was there recording without Malcolm? Well, we'd already done a record without Malcolm. So that one was probably a little bit stranger, but you know, the, these guys are pretty, you know, we get together, you know, first see them, it's all high fives, hugs, smiles, uh, laughs. Uh, and then when it's time to get down to work, it's down to work and we put our heads down and, and plow through it. So. There's not too much sitting moping around or they're they're pros. Whatever, we just get on with it. They're 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 they they, they've yeah. done this a few times. They're pros about it. Yeah, and it sounds like he was there in 100%. spirit. Yeah. Um, Mike, but you know, yeah. I really have to hats off to. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Finish your thought. Uh, I really have to put my hats off to Angus, though. You know. Uh, I know he's always looked up to his older brothers and to have none, none of them 
physically there for him any, anymore. And he really wanted this record to be special. I know he really dug in and worked hard on this record. Uh, and at times I think he felt, you know, all by himself on it. Uh, but, you know, Brendan really helped so much with uh, helping Ang through that and, and, and giving him some guidance when he needed it. And, you know, it was a, it was a great team effort, but, you know, man, Angus, you know, Angus pulled it out big time on this record. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Mike, if, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you about some future work, what's the best way to contact you? Probably through my email or well, my website's uh, www.mikefrasermix.com or my email is mike at mikefrasermix.com. Mike, awesome. this was a true honor. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, it goes without saying your work is, oh, is incredible. And, you know, thank you for taking the time out end of the year here. Um, and chatting with us about uh, about your engineering, your producing, and a little bit about ACDC. Yeah, keep up the great work. Oh, thank you very much. Always a pleasure, guys. And, you know, anytime, you know, please reach out. Uh, I answer everything, so when I can. <laughs> but awesome. Great talking to you. All, All right. the best for 2021 for you. Yes. And uh, happy holidays to you. And your as you, uh, right. as okay, you, you as well. Thanks thank so you. much. Thanks, Bye. Mike. Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. In all seriousness, what an honor. I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, if, if I don't know how you can't be familiar with Mike Frazier and his work, but if you aren't, yeah. go go wiki him. And yeah, I mean, this this is a guy who's who's got some incredible incredible skills and incredible talent so yeah, i only knew about acdc i didn't know some of the other bands when i looked him up um he's worked with a lot of bands um i i love the power up uh album i thought he did an amazing job with that along with the producer it's just it reminds me of those great records i listened to you know growing up you know the tom Warman produced cheap trick albums or aerosmith albums or those early acdc albums that are just they're warm they're heavy and they're super melodic and 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 it and it sounds like an album and and by that I mean it's not just all the effort put into one great track to right. give you that hit single and then they yeah. fill it in with ten other tracks. This was it, it just felt like an yeah. album. Yeah, you it's know, a body of work. Yeah, you know, growing up, you know, if you grew up in the sixties, seventies, eighties, that was that was big. You wanted that whole album experience. And this album really felt that way. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's such a great pleasure speaking with Mike and hopefully we'll have him back at some point in the future again. And yeah, maybe he'll come on and talk about another ACDC album. How about that? Mike? <laughs> or the <laughs> to another one, a tour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, so before we wrap up, um, just a quick note, we will be recording next week as well. We're going to go straight through the end of the year here. Show must go um, on show must go on even when i wasn't here thank That's you right. for holding the fort down couple, my pleasure couple i'm no there. michael brandvold but i'll <laughs> i'll take a shot at it <laughs> yeah. um it is good to get back 
uh, on the show here and uh, hopefully um, hopefully I won't have to take a leave of absence anytime soon. Yeah. Um, quick shout out to hypebot.com and bands Thank in town. Bruce. Thank you for everything you do. And of course to bandzoogle and discmakers.com. Thank you for sponsoring the show all year. It means a lot to us. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're on Spotify, follow us. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe and leave a review and a rating. It all means a lot to us. Yep. And uh, we'll see everybody next week.